Hello and welcome back to Leader Up, a podcast of Army Management Staff College. Leader Up is a professional conversation where we discuss a broad range of leadership and leader development topics with an emphasis on the Army civilian professional. I'm your host, David Howie. On today's episode, we've got uh, a gentleman who is part of the AMSC faculty and is a good friend of mine that I've, I've uh, been in the classroom with and worked with for many years. And this is Mr. Chuck Hyde. And Chuck is the course manager for the CES basic course. And we're going to talk today uh, on Leader Up about uh, a really fascinating topic, uh, and that is team building. And so, Chuck Hyde, thanks for being with us uh, today on Leader Up, and welcome to the podcast. Yeah, I'm happy happy to be here. Really appreciate the invite, Dave. Okay, and let's just start, Chuck, with uh, a little bit about your background and how you ended up in Army Management Staff College. Well, I've been uh, serving in the Army in one capacity or another for over 37 years. And I spent about the first 23 years as an Army officer, and I retired in 2007. And at that point, became an Army civilian. And for about the last 10 years, I've been a faculty member at Army Management Staff College, uh, teaching and serving as the course manager for the basic course, which is uh, the course designed and targeted for those first line, those direct level leaders, which are those first line level uh, supervisors. And in the CES basic course, uh, the main topic really that, that we cover and that we talk about is the topic that we're here to discuss today, which is on team building. And thank you for that. Let's go back uh, a little bit and talk about, uh, you talked about the basic course. What is the uh, just remind our leader up audience the grade levels of folks who normally take the basic course. It can be taken by people from any pay grade, but the primary target audience is those in pay grade GS one through nine or equivalents. Okay. And so let's just jump right in because our, our topic for today is team building. And so I'm just going to ask you big picture. Uh, one over the world, what is team building and, and why is it important to those basic course students that you just talked about? Team building is, is a set of deliberate actions that a leader takes. And a leader takes these actions in order to move their team to make it perform at a higher level, make the team be more resilient uh, improve the climate and the culture on the team and, you know, really moving the team from maybe one that is compliant to one where the members are committed and not just committed to themselves, but also committed to the team. And what does that look like? What kind of things does a leader do to, uh, to build their team? Well, the first thing, Dave, that I would tell you is it's not possible to separate developing the team members from the team building process. Uh, those two things are inextricably linked. 
and and they really go hand in hand. Uh, it's an investment in time. Take you know when we talk about those deliberate actions that a leader takes in order to prove the performance of the team. It's uh, you know when we think about that, what does it include? I I think it's also useful to talk about what it isn't. And some organizations would go to and you know they'll conduct events, whether they be hail and farewells, potlucks. Uh, town hall meetings, uh, those kinds of things. And, you know, I I don't want to take anything away from those events. Those are valuable events. They can improve the camaraderie and the cohesion on teams. But scheduling those events, putting them on a calendar, and then executing them is not team building. You know, the leader says, okay, boom, we did this. Now I can put a check in the team building block for this quarter. That's not team building. Uh, that can be a, uh, an important, a valuable component of it. But really, team building is the leader's actions that, that are day in and day out uh, with consistency, developing the members of the team, and uh, uh, to, to do some of those things that we previously discussed. And so I th- what I think you're saying is that, um, number one, Team building isn't something that can just be imposed or forced on a group of people, and it can't be just a a single event uh, where, like you said, there's some uh, event planned and people go to it, and uh, maybe there's an assumption that that takes care of our team building for this quarter or something like that. Is that what you're saying with that? Yeah, ab- absolutely. It, it, it's a lot of hard work. And, you know, this investment that a team leader makes uh, to build their team, you know, really the, the payoff is uh, once you once you start to realize the return on that investment, you've got a team that's matured. And, you know, what does that mean? You know, that means that uh, the, the members of the team have the professional competence, confidence uh, to, uh, you know, do things like resolve conflict amongst uh, one another without supervisor involvement. They don't require detailed instructions, you know, that the leader can, you know, give them the mission and empower the members to figure out how it is they're going to go about accomplishing that mission. And along those lines, you know, I, I, I tell you that, uh, for our listeners, army doctrine in this area is really good. It's, uh, it, it is very, very good. And, and it's easy to read. And there's a couple of things on the business of team building that, that for those that, that are interested in taking this on and, creating teams that are going to perform at a higher level, have greater satisfaction. A couple of things. Uh, ADP 6-22 provides a great overview. It's a quick read. Mission command, ADP 6-0. You know, that where it describes the seven principles of mission command. You know, we're talking about competence, you know, building members that are competent in their job, trust, 
you know, creating trust on the team and, you know, trust, we can't, it, you can't overemphasize that. If, if you go in and, and you do read ADP 6-0-6-22 and also FM 6-22, which, which is the third manual I'd recommend. It really does kind of the deep dive and, and gives you uh, a lot more actionable things that the team leader can do in the team building process and in the development of their team members uh, is really good. I don't know how many times trust has mentioned those manuals, but it's a lot. And it's because trust is is so foundational uh, to your efforts there and to building the climate. Uh, so, you know, when we talk about these principles of mission command, we've got competence, trust that I mentioned, shared understanding that the members of the team and the team leader, uh, they, they have that shared understanding, not just that the team members have shared understanding of what the leader wants them to do, but the leader also has shared understanding of what those challenges are uh, for the team member and accomplishment of those duties is pretty important. Uh, that the members understand that leader's intent, you know, starting out with the purpose. Why is it we're doing this work? What are some of the key tasks that you want me to accomplish in, uh, along the way? And then what's kind of your vision once we get it done? Uh, and then, you know, empowerment. Uh, not having the need to issue detailed instructions about how this project or how this task or mission is going to be accomplished, that the leader is simply able to tell the team member what it is that they want done, and then the team member is empowered to go about doing it in the way that they want to do that. It's the opposite of micromanagement. And in mission command, we call that use, using mission orders. And then, and then the sixth one is initiative, that the team members don't have to wait to be told something. Because there's shared understanding, because there's trust, the team members understand the mission, vision, purpose, goals of the team. And when they see something that needs to get done, they do it. They exercise that initiative and do it. So when we look at those first six principles that I just talked about, it's not possible to operate that way without accepting some level of risk. And that's the seventh principle there. And accepting risk because when you empower your team members to that extent, some mistakes are going to get made. And how the leader deals with those mistakes is really pretty critical to uh, build in that climate that we want, which is a climate of members that are committed to the team and not compliant because the leader that chastises the team member because he or she made a mistake while they were exercising initiative, thought they were doing the right thing, but it didn't turn out too good. You chastise them, you're going to move that team right back into, into a compliance mode. Hey, you know, that didn't work out good. You know, I got my butt chewed out for it. I'm not going to do that anymore. And then it extends the other members of the team. Hey, you know, I saw what happened to Jack. So I'm not doing anything until, until they tell me to. So, so that requires some uh, level acceptance of risk. And, and to me, one of the things, when you look at those three army manuals that I just talked about, ADP 60, uh, ADP 6-22 and FM 6-22, uh, those, uh, 
those, those provide, you know, I think an, an excellent framework uh, for the leader to, to take in to begin putting together an actionable team building program. And so I, and I think those, those principles of mission command that you talked about are, are a good framework for any, and it doesn't matter if you're uh, uh, wearing a uniform or if you're a civilian, they, they still do apply. And the, the idea that um, if I am uh, delegating to people, if I am allowing them to solve problems, uh, if I'm not micromanaging them, to recognize that that comes with a level of risk. And so if, I, if I'm feeling uncomfortable or a little unsettled about delegating to someone, that discomfort is that's part of that process. So I'm, I'm giving someone a task and I'm not micromanaging them. I may have some level of discomfort about that. And that's all part of it. And, uh, if a leader says that I, you know, I, I don't like giving up control. Well, that's part of team building is giving up that control and then kind of self-talk being comfortable uh, or learning to be comfortable with that. And knowing that you're not going to get a hundred percent solution of what you wanted. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one of the things I was thinking about as you were, as you were talking about that, Dave is, is a leader that's able to build a team that can operate in accordance with those seven principles of mission command is a leader that's got to be confident and secure in their own leadership because a leader that's not that secure is is going to be one that's going to retain necessary information it's going to be one that's not going to want their team members to take initiative they're going to want them to wait to be told they're going to be risk averse and you know the the fear part of the fear there is that if i empower my team members to that extent for a leader that's insecure in who they are as a leader uh, might be scared that one of their team members might demonstrate greater competence and uh, a higher level of leadership abilities than they themselves do so uh yeah it it is definitely a demonstration of of uh being secure in uh in your own leadership abilities to be able to empower to that degree and I've always believed Chuck that uh the real measure of a leader's effectiveness is what happens when they're not uh there to direct the team if they have an emergency or if they get called off to a meeting, does the team stop? they can't do anything until the boss comes back and tells them or are they able to just say, Hey, the boss isn't here. I think this is the right thing to do. We're going to go ahead and move out uh, and follow the boss's intent and take care of the problem that's in front of us. And let me just, let's, let's move on to, uh, unless you, do you want to comment on that? About what I just said? No, I, 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 uh, I could not agree more. Uh, with your comments on that. Yeah, ab- absolutely. How are they going to perform? You know, am I, am, have I become the single point of failure uh, because, uh, you know, because I haven't established the right collaborative uh, 
level and, and having established the right trust among members of the team and, and that sort of thing. Absolutely. You become a single point of failure. Right. So let's, let's talk about maybe some of the challenges. Uh, what makes this difficult? Uh, what makes team building difficult? Time. Time, I think, is, is probably the biggest challenge because, you know, typically what we see is not just the team leader, but the members too, you know, get caught up in the day-to-day activity, the, the issue that's hot at the moment, the brush fires that pop up. And, and so the team leader and the team members get, get focused on that, which one of the first things that goes is, is any time that he or she is going to spend in the development of his or her team members and, and things that they're doing to, to build and, and strengthen uh, that team. So I, I would say that, that time is probably the number one uh, thing. It's going to require discipline on the part of the team leader to make sure that uh, they do carve out the necessary time. Uh, you know, again, for developing those those team members and for doing some of those team building actions uh, that they've put together. I'd say probably the second one is, uh, and it's not too far behind, and it's dealing with difficult employees. And, you know, I think you know, we, we talk in the classroom a lot about, you know, how do you deal with with the employee who's like a marginal performer and, you know, in getting their productivity up to the levels that the team member wants. And those, you know, those, there's great challenges there. Uh, absolutely. That, that's tough stuff. Basic course, the CS basic course provides some, some great tools, techniques, and, and things that not just a leader, but also the members of the team can do in order to move the needle in a constructive way in changing the behavior of team members like that. But uh, I, I would I would tell you there's a second type of difficult employees that doesn't get talked about quite as much. And I, and I think the challenges associated with them are just as great, maybe even greater. And that's the team member who, who is committed to themselves. They're highly competent. They're very productive. Uh, but but they don't work well with the other members of the team. And in fact, the other members of the team might just assume they not even be on the team. And so how do you deal with those employees? Those are, those are a big challenge as well. And again, you know, the, uh, the CES basic course, and I'll tell you six dash, uh, 22 FM six dash 22 provide, uh, some, some good techniques and, and some things for dealing with those kinds of folks as well. I, I would say though, uh, when it comes to challenges on team building or obstacles or things that get in the way, and it goes back to uh, what we talked about as being so foundational to team building this business of trust, and and that is transparency. And lack of transparency is a trust killer. It will erode your trust and undermine team building efforts. Transparency is key. When, when members of the team are not aware of how decisions are being made, when decisions are being made, 
who is part of the decision-making process, then, then that that's a lack of transparency. And when you have a lack of transparency, that's a result of a difference, a gap between how team members uh, team members' perceptions of how decisions are getting made and how decisions are actually being made. And when there's a gap there, those members are going to fill that gap. And they're going to fill it with false beliefs, rumors, and assumptions. And, and that's going to that's gonna erode trust. So I, I tell you, being transparent is is really key and and i mean if you if you've got leaders that are doing all the right things they are you know making decisions that are you know best in mind for the mission at hand have the employee's best interests in mind uh exhibiting good leadership practices and and largely doing all the right things except they're not transparent, then then it's gonna then it's gonna create that gap, and uh, and so I I'd, I'd say that is a major obstacle and something that uh, really needs to be worked on if you're going to be ultimately be successful to get the climate and the culture on the team that you want. And let's talk about uh, some of the the concepts or theories or uh, activities that uh, people can use, let's say a, uh, a GS9 uh, team leader can use or can refer to to help them understand a little bit more about uh, team building? Yeah. Uh, I, I'll tell you, there's, there's really two, two team building models that come to mind. First, of course, is the, is the Army's team building model. And you get kind of the overview of that in ADP 6-22 that I mentioned and, and then, uh, uh, and then FM 6-22. And, uh, that's the three stage model form enrich and sustain are the three stages there. And I tell you another one that I think is useful and there's a plethora of information. It's easy to do your own research on it. Uh, we, we get into it. And, and dig into it within the basic course. And that's the Bruce Tuckman group development model. And those are five stages. This model has been around for a good long time, tried and true. And, and it's forming, storming, norming, performing, and adjourning. And, and I, I think understanding and doing some research on both those models is, is really, is really useful. And if, I think a team leader wants to put together an effective, uh, number one, have good foundational knowledge uh, to help them put together an actionable plan uh, to move their team would be well served by by understanding both of those. One of the things that I would tell you is, is really important, you know, that of course they both share that formation stage. And one of the things that's that's very important in the formation stage is establishing expectations. And, you know, conflict, uh, and, and I, and I hope in, in Dave, if, if I forget, please remind me, but I'd, I'd like to come back and talk a bit more about conflict a little bit later, but, but 
you know, experts tell us that one of the leading sources of conflict is unmet expectations. So things that the leader can do in the forming stage to, uh, to set expectations among the team, I think are key. And, and one of them is, is really pretty simple. Uh, there's nothing hard about it at all. And it is having the team get together and talk about, have a discussion about how it is they want to work together. What are the desired behaviors uh, that, that they want to have as they work together? I'd call them guidelines. Okay. And, you know, maybe one example of a guideline that, that a team could come up with would be that you're going to do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. So I would, uh, you know, I'd, I'd offer that. And, you know, the, as the leader of the team, I, I'll tell you, it's preferred to let the team members drive that discussion. Uh, you, you want to get buy-in from them. So I, I think great to be a participant uh, in that discussion, but allowing the team members to drive it. And I would tell you even documenting it is a great idea, using it as a living document. And then going forward, if a member of the team wants to, you know, anybody could suggest uh, an addition or a modification to those team guidelines that you're going to. That great way to help set expectations. Another one is, you know, having the team members, have them have a discussion about what are the goals that they want to achieve. Team, What are the team goals? And and even individual goals. As an individual, what are some of the things that they want to achieve as a member of the team? And then that helps, can help set conditions for the members being supportive of one another in, in the attainment of those goals. And, and I, I'd, uh, I, you know, I'd offer uh, that, you know, we talk about letting the team drive that, not the leader. It's, it's hard to probably hard to overstate the value of, of the leader actively listening to his or her subordinates. And, and I mean, that's, we talked about shared understanding as principal mission command. I mean, it is, it is really important to, uh, to hear them really understand them. And, and again, we do that in the basic course. We talk at length about, uh, some, some techniques and, and some things to watch out for to help, uh, with listening, to get that better understanding. Uh, any, anyway, one final thing I'd, I'd say for, for helping to set expectations is during that forming stage, great opportunity for the leader to share their leadership philosophy with the members of the team, share with them, you know, what's important to you about how it is you want to lead and run that team, you know, word of caution on doing that though, you got to walk the walk. If, if you communicate your leadership philosophy to the team and you say something's important, but your actions don't, don't support that, then you've under, you've, begin to undermine your own efforts and your credibility among the team. So you got to, got to make sure that what you put in there is going to be followed up with your actions. And I, I would like to hear you talk a little bit more about uh, conflict. You mentioned that. Uh, so if, if I uh, accept the Bruce Tuckman model, uh, which starts off, like you said, with forming the next thing after that is storming. 
And um, that essentially is conflict. And if you accept Tuckman's theory about uh, team building, their conflict is a part of building a team. So it's, it's going to be there. And so just I'd like to get you to talk a little bit more about conflict and some ways to deal with it uh, and, and how it can, how it, how it is helpful in moving a team forward. Yeah, no, you're, you're, I couldn't agree more. It's inevitable. I mean, it's about as inevitable as death is, uh, you're, you're right. It's going to occur. And, you know, we talk about Bruce Tuckman's model formation stage, you know, early on team members are going to be cordial. They're going to be polite uh, and that sort of thing. And then as they become more familiar with one another, uh, inevitably conflict's going to occur. And, you know, what, what some of the human behaviors that have, that have studied this and looked into us tell us is that what's at the root of that is one or more members in the team, not being satisfied with their role on the team. And, and that's why it naturally is going to go into the storming stage. So when we talk about them not being satisfied with their role on the team, we're, we're not talking about their position description. We're not talking about their formal role. We're talking about how they perceive their role on the team. And, you know, most of the dissatisfaction with team members' role on the team is it really can be linked back to they don't feel competent, they don't feel significant, or they don't feel likable. So things that the leader can do to make members of the team feel competent, feel significant, feel likable will go a long way towards resolving the conflict associated with the storming phase and allow the team to progress uh, in mature and a constructive way. You know, if, if a team member's not feeling competent, it could be, hey, you know, uh, you know, they're, I'm doing, I should be doing what Sally's doing. I've got more experience. I've got more expertise. I ought to be doing her job and, uh, and she ought to be doing what I'm doing. So the, uh, person's not, not matched up with, with what they feel are their strengths or their strong suits. And when, when we talk about, uh, things that you can read, I'd, I'd also throw in a, uh, a good book, I think, for those that are really interested in developing their team building knowledge. And uh, the author is Jim Collins, and the book is Good to Great. And it's really focused towards the corporate environment. But there's some great nuggets that you can harvest uh, for any team building. And, and in there, you know, kind of talks about getting folks in the right seat on the bus and that sort of thing. And, it, and it's really getting after the same idea uh, here of, of uh, you know, in terms of the competence piece significant piece that I mentioned too, you know, if, if a team member is not feeling significant, it, it could be linked to, you know, my ideas aren't being considered. My voice isn't being heard. You know, I express myself once or twice. I got blown off. So now I'm just going to shut up and do, do my work. So what can you do to make them uh, feel more significant? And you know, talked about the importance of listening and those listening levels and, and for a leader to improve on their listening skills and, and 
developing a better understanding of where each one of their team members are and how they're viewing uh, their role on the team uh, really gets back to that. And then, and then the likability piece, uh, you know, hey, the other members of the team have a much warmer relationship with the leader than I do. I'm kind of the odd man out. You know, that could be at, at the heart of that. So uh, things that we can do to, to make them feel more satisfied with their role on the team, uh, being significant, competent, and, and likable. And, and, you know, the other thing on, on the conflict, David, that you asked about, we talked about it's inevitable. I I'd also offer that it's not necessarily a bad thing. Successfully resolve conflict can be a good thing. It can improve improve camaraderie, cohesion, it can reduce stress, it can improve increased performance. So when it's successfully resolved, it can do all those things. So, you know, as a team leader, think about what are some things that I can do in my team building program to equip my team members to uh, increase the likelihood that they can successfully resolve conflict with one another. And, you know, a couple of things I'd offer in that regard is number one is don't let it get personal. If it's getting personal, you've got to intervene immediately. Second one is don't let it go. It's not one of the things that's going to fix itself. Uh, you know, it, it's got to be dealt with in a very direct and forthright way in order to pursue successful resolution of the conflict. Uh, the other thing I'll tell you, what are, you know, in terms of how can the leader uh, help to equip members of the team to successfully resolve conflict? One is back to the, the, the same army doctrine that I talked about, uh, getting into there in, in army's leadership talk doctrine talks about the competency of, of preparing self. And a big part of that is self-awareness. And, you know, the, the leader understanding more about how his or her actions are perceived by the members of the team. That's very important for the leader, but it's also important for the members of the team to kind of understand how their actions are perceived as well. So a couple of things we do in the basic course, and you don't even have to go to the basic course. A, a, a team leader could, could do this as an event on your in your team building program uh, because anybody could go in and and sign up for and take a couple of personality instruments again ones we take in the basic course and there's two of them there that i'd mention available online it cost about 20 or 25 dollars a piece and one is called the learning styles uh, learning styles inventory and it the results of that help one to understand more about how they prefer to learn and to solve problems. And I think that's pretty useful. Maybe even more useful than that, though, is, is after having taken the instrument, seeing that about oneself, you're also able to identify some of those preferences in, in the other people that you interact with. Uh, and, then, and then the other instrument is one that's directly related to conflict. And it's the Thomas Kilman instrument of the TKI. It costs about the same. Uh, it 
it identifies what your preferred method when you're in a conflict situation, how it is you deal with that. And again, that's really good to know about yourself, but also uh, good to be able to identify some of those preferences in other people that you interact with. And, you know, I tell you, it, it'd even be good to, to process out and share team members to share the results of those instruments with the other members of the team, help them kind of understand one another better, better how to communicate with one another and, and to recognize that their different approaches to learning, to solving problems, to dealing with conflict are not necessarily obstacles that the team needs to overcome, but begin to view them as, as assets, as an aspect of valuable diversity that the team has uh, within their ranks that they want to harness and exploit uh, to, to the maximum extent possible. And so those uh, instruments like that, both uh, LSI and TKI kind of help me as a team member understand something such as uh, I'm the type that likes to jump in real quick and just get started. And I'm working with somebody that's not comfortable doing that, that wants to take maybe three or four days to research and think about something. And I think uh, a lot of times we think that the person who's not approaching it like I do is quote unquote wrong. Uh, And if I can look at my team members and understand they have different preferences of me, if if we are working together, we can be way more effective. If I, if I can incorporate someone else's, uh, preferences or way that they like to get stuff done, uh, as opposed to just assuming that everybody should be like me and that everybody is going to solve problems or deal with conflict like me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the team leader comes in and says, Hey, you know, here's a, here's a project. You guys, uh, you guys, you know, you, you three members of the team, I want you guys to work on this project and get this done. You've got you know, you've got one member that, that wants to go back and have time to themselves to research it and to get it straight in their mind. And, and they want time to think and they want to be alone. And then you've got one or, or other members of the team. They want to start brainstorming. They want to start throwing ideas out there and, and immediately interacting with other members of the team and exploring options. And, and that can be a source of conflict, but but if the members kind of understand that about one another, you know, then they, then they can understand, Hey, you know, this is, this is, you know, as I mentioned, aspect of diversity, uh, you know, they'll, they'll help balance me out. If I'm inclined to be overthinking this thing and, and they're kind of inclined to, to, to jump to a conclusion and then we can kind of balance each other out and, and help us move to us to a sweet spot. That's uh, more conducive to the mission and us working together. Right. And let's, let's start uh, wrapping this up. And, uh, I just want to finish off with uh, a question about kind of why, why team building is important, but why, if, if I'm, if I'm a GS nine, uh, supply technician working someplace in a depot and I I've got a warehouse that I manage and uh, I like working on my own. And my boss is always talking about team building uh, and pulling me into these things where we're having to talk about how we work together. And I, I just want to say, Hey, I I'll do my job 
uh, I don't feel like I need to uh, rely on other people. Um, so why, why can't I just work on my own, uh, and get my job done and not, uh, talk about team building, uh, or working with my peers all the time? You know, I'll tell you, there, there's a lot of teams that do exactly what you just described, Dave. And and I'd even tell you, there, there's a lot of teams that remain in the storming stage of Bruce Tuckman's group development model for long periods of time. And it could be for reasons like, like the employee that you just described. And, you know, and we talked about that person earlier, you know, they might be, they might be committed to themselves. Their professional reputation means a lot. They're very competent and they're very productive, but they just don't want to, you know, they're, they're, they don't want to share uh, they don't want that interaction. It might be, hey, this is this is my thing, the, the thing that I do, and I do it well, and I don't want anybody else coming in and doing my thing, and I'm not going to be, I'm not interested in doing anybody else's thing. You know, teams that operate like that can achieve sufficient results. They can perform in a satisfactory way, and and. Uh, accomplish those things that the army is paying them to accomplish, but uh, they're going to achieve average results at best. And we're talking about, you know, making this investment in time to develop our teams in order to get it to perform at a higher level and in order for it to be more resilient because that, that team with employees like the one you described, it lacks resilience. It's, is as soon as that there's a vacancy because that employee takes leave or there's a vacancy, that function ceases to ceases to exist or get done as opposed to a team where there's interdependence, where there's trust, where there's shared understanding, where there's camaraderie, where there's cohesion, uh, where there's communication, then uh, then those teams are are able, are able to overcome adversity, adversity like a uh, vacancy, and and they can cover that function as a result of that. And they'll they'll even exercise the initiative. They'll accept the personal risk that that might not be their primary duty or responsibility, but they know it's part of the mission of the team to get that done. So they'll accept the personal risk of you know it might not be perfect, but but they're gonna ready, willing, and able to do that. I, uh, you know, that, that is really the, the team that has members on it again, like you said, you know, that, that really epitomizes a team that is characterized, the climate characterizes being compliant and, and we want to move it so that they're not just committed to themselves, but they're committed uh, to accomplishment of the mission, vision, purpose, and goals of the team. And, and, you know, I would add one one thing too in in terms of payoff with respect to a team leader's uh, harvesting the results of their team building efforts, and and I've had the pleasure of being a member on a team like this, and I, I considered it uh, I considered it a high high performing team, and and I think the the way that business was conducted on that team is was really kind of a hallmark uh, 
for for t- for teams that are resilient and 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 have all the characteristics of a team that performs at that level. And and on this team, the way way things were done is a new project would come down or a task, and the team leader would look out across all the members of the team and say which member is best suited to lead this effort, and you know say okay. And then the team leader would come out and say, Jack's got the lead on this task. Everybody, you are in support of Jack. Give him what he needs. And Jack, that includes me as the team leader. Tell me what it is you need from me in support of this effort. And, and Jack goes off and he lead, he's, he's leading that project, that effort. Then another one comes down. Team leader does the same thing. All right, Sally's got the lead on this. Everybody, to include myself, are in support. Now, uh, you know, great example of shared leadership right there. Team cannot function like that without the investment in developing those members of the team so that they have, you know, the things that we've been talking about, uh, the right climate, the right trust, uh, seven principles of mission, command, the competence, initial, all those things. Uh, it really, t- you know, functioning that way really ties all of that stuff together. And the other thing that that, that does is it really sets those uh, team members and those employees up for, uh, for advancement for going on to accept positions of greater responsibility because it's giving them the experience and it's giving them the confidence uh, that they need to do exactly that. So it's really setting not just the team up for success, but also the individual members. Okay. Well, Chuck, I, I, I really uh, do appreciate this conversation that we've had today and, um, I know that there's uh, a lot of uh, uh, your uh, basic course students out there in the Leader Up audience that will be excited to to hear from you again. And so thank you for being with us today on Leader Up. I do appreciate it. Yeah, I enjoyed. Happy to do it. And so Leader Up audience, uh, we talked today about team building and, and Mr. Chuck Hyde gave you some activities, actions, tips, ideas, theories. Uh, that will help you look at your team and uh, consider where you are with regard to building your team. Uh, Are you in a storming stage where there's a lot of conflict? Uh, Are you performing? Uh, Are you, are you in the, are you constantly in the forming stage uh, where you don't have the, even have the ability to move into a different stage because you're constantly getting new people and losing people. So take a look at, at your team and uh, what kind of things might help you to build a, a little bit more cohesive uh, team in your organization. And please let us know uh, your thoughts about this podcast or any of our other podcasts. We always like to hear from our leader up audience and join us again next time for another edition of leader up as always if you have any questions or feedback or would like to learn more about our podcast please check the description for our email and for our website 
Thanks for listening. 